we'll get this hooked up and we all should be able to hear me a little better. How about that? Okay, we'll go to chapter 45 and uh, just read a few verses in review. And then we'll get into chapter 46. And, you know, if the Lord's willing, we might finish the book today. If you remember, when we started out this book, I, I felt like the Lord had led me in, in uh, two real areas here in this book. One, to see the, the character of uh, the, the person of Joseph. <clears throat> for us to be able to appreciate uh, how God worked in his life and, uh, and, and that we might, uh, we might have some of those same characteristics in us. And then also, of course, to see the typology here of the Lord Jesus uh, in Joseph's life. And, and that's so we, so we won't spend a lot of time talking about uh, Jacob and uh, the end of his life and the other sons too much today. But we will focus in, just review, in a way of review, in chapter 45, we have the revealing of Joseph. And we saw at the beginning of that chapter how he cried, and so much so it says he wept aloud in verse 2, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard him. And he was, and of course his brothers were troubled at his presence, now realizing that this was the one that they had sold into slavery. And then, but he comforted them in verse 5, of chapter 45, he said, He says, Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourself that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. What a man of faith, seeing that God's hand was working this together. You know, you have to have faith to see God working. He doesn't reveal himself in the way he did in the Old Testament necessarily with signs and powers. And even that requires some faith. But today he expects you to believe his word and to believe his character and who he is and that he'll do what he said he would do. And and Joseph saw here by faith that God was doing this, that God had allowed him to suffer what he suffered for this intent. And even in verse 7, again, he said, in God's sin. In verse 8, he said, but, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and a ruler. And then down in verse 9, again, God hath made me Lord. He believed that it was the Lord that did all of this. So we see the revealing to his brothers and then he sends them home to, to Canaan to get, get his father. And uh, we see in uh, chapter 45 and verse uh, 24, So he sent his brethren away, and they departed. And he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan and to Jacob their father. Verse 26. And told him, saying, Joseph is alive, and he is governor of all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted. For he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent and carried him, the spirit to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And then we see the name change. And it says in verse 28, And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is alive. I will go and see him before I die. And I just want to touch on a little bit here at the beginning of chapter 46, how God comforts uh, Israel here, Jacob, how he comes. Look at what it says in verse 1, And Jacob took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father. His revived heart is back in his fellowship with God. And it says in verse 2, And God spake unto Israel. Now, God wasn't unwilling to speak to Israel before that. But he wasn't in fellowship. It's like a lot of times we're waiting on God to say something, and God's waiting on us to get in fellowship with him. And when he got right with God, God spoke to him. 
And he comforted him. Look at look what it says there in verse 3. And it says, And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make thee a great nation. Why do you think the Lord told him that? Why would have Joseph possibly feared to go down to Egypt? Wasn't he commanded to be in the promised land? He would be leaving the land of promise. I would think you certainly want permission and God's blessing and God's leading to do that, wouldn't you? I mean, there's no other reason to leave. Because God had promised that he would take care of them there and he would give them that land. And so he, he gives him a promise that, hey, I'm going with you, Jacob. Don't be afraid to go down there, Israel. And then verse 4, it says, I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thee, on, upon thine eyes. And of course, God's purpose during this time in Egypt, he makes them an incredible, mighty nation. Now, how many people went into, and Jacob and his family, how many people went into Egypt? How many? Yeah, there was... There was actually 66 it describes of his, not including the wives, okay? And because there was 70 total, but there was, there, that's not, when it gives the 66 number, it doesn't include Jacob, and it doesn't include the three that are already in Egypt, which are Joseph and his two sons. So you'll see a number 66, and then you'll see a number 70, and then over in the book of Acts, in, in chapter 7, when, uh, when Stephen is preaching, he'll use another number, I believe that number 75, where he includes some of the wives. And so you'll see these different numbers, but they're just describing different groups of people. But nonetheless, we're talking about a number around 70 going in, and when they come out, how many is there going to be? Considerably more, Right? A couple of million probably coming out, all right? So God in 400 years is about to do an incredible thing here and and just do what he promised he would do. So let's look now at the reunion of Joseph and Jacob. He's finally believed. He's gone. He started his journey. He gets down there, and then in verse 28... It says, And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. Again, Judah now is the leader of the, of the boys. And um, verse 29, And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. How long is a good while? I'll tell you this. It was longer than what was comfortable. <laughs> you ever been in, in, in somewhere and all of a sudden things just get uncomfortable because it just goes on longer than, than it's convenient? <clears throat> it, was a, it was longer than what was comfortable. It was not measured in seconds. Let's put it that way. This was something that was measured in minutes. I mean, this was a, it's been 22 years. This was a reunion. This was a totally unexpected thing that God did that he never dreamed would ever happen. And they're not going to be in a hurry about this. And it says even Joseph's preparation, look at this. He said he made his chariot ready. Boy, I bet that chariot was shining, Brother Tucker. (laughs) I bet you wasn't a speck of dirt on that thing when he got down to his father. And then it says he presented himself. And I bet you he was in full array, too. 
I mean, he wanted to look good. He wanted his daddy to be proud of him, didn't he? Don't we all want, you know, our dads to be proud of us and want to make our daddies proud? And, man, you can see that in his heart here. And I thought a lot about this. I thought about when Joseph got to the throne, we see no, nothing in Scripture that indicates that he ever made an attempt to ever go and try to see his dad or his brothers. This has been a while. You know, we're talking about, you know, he's done gone through the seven years of famine. It's been, been nine years or so since this happened. But you know, when God gives you a purpose or gives you a, a task or an assignment, a calling, he, that took precedent right now. You understand? He wasn't even able to really go and, and reconcile with his father. He's waiting on God's timing. I, I know it had to be in the back of his mind. That one day he wanted to see him, and then right out of the blue, God sends him to him. Isn't that something? But he's found in the will of God. Isn't that where we all want to be found? Is in the will of God. And and when when we're in the will of God, God does things for us that we can't do on our own. Amen. And He brings them to Joseph. What an amazing, amazing thing that happens there. And so. Look, we're going to see the wisdom of Joseph here for a few minutes. So after he greets his father, he begins to immediately, he's thought this through, no doubt. Uh, But he says, and let's read a few verses here, verse 30. We're in chapter 46. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. And Joseph said unto his brethren, and unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh, and say unto him, My brethren in my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. And the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed cattle. So he wants them to tell them that they're shepherds. And why does he want them to do that? At the end of verse 34, it says that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Now think about that for a second. Look about the wisdom of Joseph here. Where's where's Goshen? Well, it's not next to the palace. It's not in the city. This would be like, Brother Roger, I was thinking about this would be like river bottom land. Amen? This would be, boy, it's fertile. I mean, this is a great grazing land for them. Fantastic. But not too many people want to live there. Amen? And it's way away from the city. Well, do you see Joseph has been out of Canaan, been out of his father's house now for 22 years. He's been in Egypt. But do you see Egypt's not in him? Do you see his wisdom? He's not. He's not. He's protecting his family by way of separation. Okay, is that not important for us to separate ourselves from the world? I was thinking about what Jesus prayed in in John 17. He didn't pray for them to be taken out of the world, but what did He pray for? That the world wouldn't be in them. He keep them from the evil that's in the world. See, He doesn't want the world to get into His disciples, and Joseph doesn't want the world to get into his family. Man, and Egypt's always a picture of the world in Scripture. You see that. And so, so here we have Joseph in his wisdom. He's, he's got a perfect place that meets everything. It, it's going to prosper them tremendously because of the ground is going to support their cattle, their livestock, and they're going to be far away from the ways of Egypt, okay, from the world, amen. And that's not all. Look on down, and he says... Um, 
in verse 2. He's going to go up to Pharaoh, and he does. And look what it says, verse 2. And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. <clears throat> he took five men with him. I wonder what kind of men he took. I think he knows. He, I think he did. He chose those five men on purpose. It wasn't haphazard. And me, personally, I think he probably chose the guys that looked unthreatening. Because remember, there's a, there's a new there's a new group of people coming in. And Pharaoh, I'll tell you why he's doing all this in just a second. But but ultimately, I think he just wanted these guys to look, um, you know, like they weren't going to be any threat to Pharaoh, and that they were shepherds, and therefore he'd want them just to stay way out of his way and just do their thing over there. And I and and I think that's exactly what happened. And they tell him that they're just sojourning in the land in verse four, and that they were going to pasture their flocks. And uh, they asked for the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh is more than glad to give it to them. And, um, <clears throat> and then it says that Joseph presents Jacob to Pharaoh in verse 7. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? Doesn't that seem like an interesting question? You just meet somebody, you know, and man, how old are you? I, I, he must have looked rough. Didn't y'all think he must have looked old? I, I, I got, I just got to think. And Pharaoh's like, "Whoa, how old are you?" And uh, he tells him he's 130 years old at this time. And um, but he says that my days have not been long; my days have been short compared to my father's. So evidently, there's some good longevity here in God's family. Amen. And so we see that uh, his father Isaac. How long did he live? 180 years. And then we see uh, Abraham, his grandfather, 175 years. So, yeah, he's just, he's just getting warmed up good. You know, he's almost barely past middle age. But life's been hard on, on Jacob. And um, hardships of life take a lot out of a man and a woman. Amen. And we'll see that a little bit later on here as well. So let's see this greeting. And then to Joseph, in verse 12, he says... Um, and Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's house with bread according to their families. He took care of them because the, the famine was, was terrible. And, and, and it's, there's going to be no one that survives outside of Joseph's hand here. And, um, and so now the people are running out of, uh, they're running out of uh, food, right? And so guess what? They have to come and now buy the food from Joseph. And, and guess what happens? They soon run out of money. It says in verse 14, And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the crop which they bought, brought Joseph, um, bought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So did Joseph produce a profit for his boss? And then some, right? An incredible profit. He got all the money in the land. And then what's he going to get next? Well, they're going to need, still need food next year. And when they come next year, they're not going to have any money. So now what's going to happen? Now they're going to have to barter. They need food and they got livestock. They got cattle. So he's going to take all the cattle that's in the, that's in the land. All of it. It's going to be all Pharaohs. And then they still need food the next year. Now they don't have any money and they don't have any livestock. What are they going to do now? They only have land in themselves, right? And they say, why should we die in our land? Take our land and take us. 
And uh, so he takes all the land. And Joseph in his wisdom here, what does he do? This, is, this seems all... Uh, I see two things here. I see that, number one, this seems almost kind of cruel. And matter, matter of fact, Joseph's in control of their entire lives. Y'all understand that. They are literally looking to Joseph. And we see for their, their nourishment and for direction, he takes all the people and moves them into the cities. And he didn't ask them about that, by the way. You can either come or you don't, but if you don't come, you don't eat. Amen? So, so he's in control of everything that's going on here with these people. But, here's the difference. We don't like that. But Joseph here is a type of the Lord Jesus. And he's working it together for their good. We do like having a master over us that has our best interest in heart. Right? And that he's taking care of us beyond what we're able to do ourselves. Here is our Lord a picture of Him, how He takes care of us, and He directs our steps, and He moves us and provides for us, and sometimes we don't even necessarily like what He's doing. They probably didn't like leaving their land, but they had to. And that's the way it is when the Lord works in our life, because, Brother Kenny, He is taking care of us. He is doing what's best for us. And then, therefore, He'll have to do some things that we will resist, because we don't know what the future holds. And we don't even know what's best for us. Isn't that true? Has that ever happened to you? I remember when the twins were in the hospital and we were praying and Faith was having a really bad time. Her heart was stopping a lot and she, was, she stopped breathing a lot. And we were praying that God would stop that from happening. But God didn't. And through that, He revealed to the doctors that she, had, she was developing an infection that if, they hadn't, if she hadn't had the symptoms, would have ultimately taken her life. And so God used that. See, he gave me a better answer, Brother Stewart, than what I prayed for. So I'll be careful all the time to try to tell God, you know, Lord, if you've got a better idea, just go ahead and do that. Amen? Because I, I think I know what's best here. And I'm going to ask you for it, Lord. But if you've got something better in mind, just go ahead and do that. I'll take that one. And so that's what Joseph is doing here with these, with these people. And, and so how, what's their opinion about all of this? Look, what, look in verse 25 of chapter 47. Look what it says. Now this is after, let's go back up here to um, verse 23 to get the context here. Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the increase... Ye shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own. For seed of the field, for your own food, and for, your, uh, uh, for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. So what's the deal? Well, he owns them, he owns their land, and he says, okay, here's what we'll do. He says, you give 20% of your increase every year to Pharaoh. The rest of it, what do you do? You live on it, you take care of your family, and you prepare for the next year. See, so you don't have to come back to him and ask for seed for the next year, right? Don't spend it all up. Learn something here, take care of it. Now, why did he only ask for 20%? Why didn't he take 50 Well, Joseph understands business. 
Okay? You, most people think in America today, the way the government and the way Hollywood and everything else portrays the businessman as the bad guy all the time, right? He's the guy, if you look at movies, usually the, the guy that's the criminal, okay, uh, the, the, the whoremonger or the whatever is the business guy, okay? And so, but Joseph, understand, there's a cost of doing business. These guys are going to have to be able to sustain their, their fields, going to have to sustain uh, whatever equipment they had. They're going to have to obviously uh, have enough to live off of or else it's going to produce rebellion, right? And so 20%, basically, any, uh, an excellent business, okay, with a low overhead might make 40% profit. And if they did, he'd split it with them. That's a pretty fair deal. And guess what? Guess how they felt about it? Look down here in verse 25. It says, and they said, thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in, thy, in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. Are they upset about it? They're thankful. They're like, well, thank God you saved us. By the way, if it hadn't have been for Joseph and God revealing this to them, they wouldn't be alive. They wouldn't have any food. So yeah, we're going to still get to keep 80% of what we produce and you've saved our lives and our children? Okay, fair enough. Amen? So that's the way Joseph here, he's made a man, I'm talking about, now none of this is going to do Pharaoh any good because he's going to die, number one, and then his whole nation is going to get wiped out by God himself. But you understand, he has literally promoted Pharaoh now to be beyond any power he even imagined before. It's amazing. I, I don't understand all of what uh, Joseph has done here, but I know over in the and when 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 uh, Stephen is preaching in uh, in Acts chapter seven, he says that this is the wisdom of Joseph. He called it wise what Joseph did here, and um, and so I thank God. For that, and they're alive, and they're happy about it. And they say they even said in verse nineteen, we skipped over this, but they said, "Give us seed." I think they're starting to come to the understanding of what Joseph had said that God revealed, and now they're starting to believe that this too is going to pass. I think they're finally starting to get some hope, and they're saying, "Okay, give us some seed," because you know what? Eventually, this is going to end, and we're going to come out of this, and we want to we want to be able to move on with our lives. So I'll say, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. But I would say persevere and endure and don't quit because God will bring you through. It will end. And, uh, and, I, and I thought about uh, the verses over there in Romans chapter 4 where it said about, in verse 18 I believe it is, where it said about Abraham that he hoped against hope. When there was no hope, Abraham Hoped. You know, God said, I'll give you a son. Well, he's a hundred years old. He still hoped. He still believed that God could do it. And when a person loses hope, they lose their desire to try, don't they? It's a terrible thing. We see that, unfortunately. You know, by the way, just because this is Christmas Eve, I think it's fitting to understand that, you know, Christmas is one of the times where people uh, suffer with this the most. People that don't have good family relations. Uh, it's a high suicide rate this time of year. Matter of fact, Brother Roger, the day when uh, people have the most heart attacks in America is on Christmas Day. More heart attacks on Christmas Day than any other day of the year. And the second most on the day after Christmas. So you can imagine how that stress, uh, so much of that going on this time of year. And we thank God for what he's done in our family, personally, 
and what He's brought us from and what relationships we do have. But, but you can't lose hope. And, uh, and thank God these people are starting to get their hope back with them. Okay, now we're going to see Joseph. That was now that Jacob is in there and there's some years that go by. There's going to be three visits that Joseph has with Jacob in his dying days. Amen. Let's look at chapter 48 and we'll see here in verse, um, in verse 3. Well, they tell him, let's, let's go back a little bit here. Let's look over here. Let's, let's don't miss the first visit here, which is in actually uh, verse uh, 28. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt, 70, this is verse, uh, chapter 47, verse 28. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so are the whole, so the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. And, and the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph, uh, and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. He makes him make a, basically a vow, and he does ask him over in verse 31 to swear on this. And he says, uh, that Israel, first of all, verse 29, he must die. Just if the Lord does not come back, we must all die. And jo- Jacob's making preparations here. So he calls Joseph in and he says, Son, do not bury me here in one of them fancy tombs in Egypt. One of them pyramids or wherever else they got. I know. I want my humble cave that I bought back in Canaan where my fathers are and where Leah is. Take me back there. He tells him this. This is his, his instructions. And then he goes on. Verse 48, now we get to the second. So Joseph agrees to this. And then in chapter 48, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. So he makes a visit one by himself. His father gives him the instruction. Now he comes with his sons. And I want to look at verse 3. And it says, And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. I think that clarified the issue of whose land it is right there. Don't you all agree? How long is everlasting? Does that exceed to, to today? Is that deed still in effect? Absolutely. It's Israel's land. God gave it to them, and he said it's always going to be their land. It's mine. I have the right to give it to whom I choose. And, and so he did. And so there is no uh, Palestinian issue here. There is no Palestinian people except for a made-up group of people. But, uh, but it's Israel's land. And, and, and Jacob is re- replaying this before his son Joseph of what God had did and what God had promised. And then... Now, now, Joseph has brought his boys there for a reason. What's he looking for? What's he, what did he bring his boys for? He wants a blessing. He wants to bless them. And so he brings them up, and he brings them in a particular order so that he can bring the oldest on, his, on Joseph's left hand so that it would be Jacob's right hand because the right hand would be the hand of strength would be placed upon Manasseh's head. But Jacob crosses his hands. And then Joseph doesn't like that. 
And he says, no, Father. And he says, son, I know what I'm doing. By the way, did Jacob know anything about that? The younger being blessed above the elder? A little. Amen. He's the younger. Esau's the older, right? Amen. Hey, what about in Abraham's family? So I would see that in Isaac's family. What about Abraham's family? Ishmael was the firstborn, but he was rejected. And the second son, Isaac, was accepted, right? We see this principle throughout Scripture where God will set aside the first and choose the second. We see the first man failed. We see the second man succeeded. We see the Old Testament sacrifices replaced with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this principle, and, and Joseph agrees to it after he understands that what his father is doing, and he blesses them. And he says, yes, they're all going to, they're both going to be great, but definitely Ephraim is going to be greater. And so that's two of his visits. Now he has a third visit. Now his third visit is going to include the rest of the sons. And so, let's look at chapter 49. The third visit. Joseph is coming in again. In verse, verse 1 of chapter 49, And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Now, we're not going to focus on his prophecy here and his blessing and, and what he tells them, but I just want you to see that it's confirmation of the fact that, that Reuben's going down. You'll see that in verse 3 and 4. And Judah's coming up, way up, because through Judah is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll see this, this prophecy applying to him. And then we get over to verse 22 of chapter chapter uh, 49, and we see what he has to say to Joseph. Chapter, 20, uh, chapter 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by the well whose, whose branches run over the wall. I had to look up that word bro and see exactly what they're talking about. It's a big branch. It's a, it's a bow is a big branch. Okay, so he, this is not just a small branch, this is a big branch, it's going to have many branches on it and bear much fruit. And then, of course, it said by the well. What's important about that? What is a plant, one of the plant things a plant needs to thrive is obviously water, correct? I thought about the guy over there in uh, Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, right? He says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, Right? And he shall bring forth fruit in his season, and his leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, there were two verses before that that told you to, how you had to, what you had to do to be that guy, and that was avoid certain things, don't do certain things, like, like, uh, sitting in the seat of the scornful, right? And then, it said also there's some things in verse 2 you must do, and he, he doth meditate in his law day and night. So there's some things that if we do, we position ourselves. If we don't get tied up with the world and get involved in that, walk in the way of sinners, standing in, in the way of sinners as well, and then we get over here and we start meditating in the law, then we are ready for verse 3 and we can be blessed. And that's what he says is going to happen to Joseph. He's going to be a, a fruitful Big branch. Look what else he says about him. We'll finish here with this, and we'll finish the rest of this book next week. But it says, The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Do you all realize that in order for us to be fruitful, we're going to have some enemies to overcome? 
Did Joseph have any enemies? Was there actually people that hated Joseph? What a nice guy he was. I wonder why they hated him. It's like the Lord said, yeah, what, for what good deeds, you know, do you, do you hate me for and persecute me for? Oh, not for the good deeds. No, it's all this other stuff, you know, you're breaking the Sabbath. Well, look what else it says. We have to overcome some enemies. And then it says, but his bow shall abode in strength. And his arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd and the stone of Israel. So God is his strength, as it says in Psalm 27 and verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He has, he has become my strength and my song. And he, uh, who shall be afraid? And they say the same thing over in Isaiah chapter 12, uh, verse 2. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more next time, but I know this. I know we're going to have to overcome some enemies. I know we're going to have to overcome some adversity. But the good news is, is that the Lord is our strength. Amen. And um, he says in verse 25, Even by the God of thy Father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under blessings of the, of the breast and of the womb. Man, he is going to be blessed. And he goes on to tell him that I've been blessed beyond my brethren and you're going to be blessed among your brethren. And we'll pick up there next week. Merry Christmas, guys. I hope you're enjoying this. We'll wrap up our study on Joseph next week, Lord willing. There's a very important thing happening in chapter 50. So study chapter 50 and look at the typology here between his interaction with him and his brethren. And also, I think it's important to note how they respond to Jacob's death. I think that's important as well. We'll touch on those things next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity to worship you again, Lord, as we, we, we thank you for every Sunday. And Lord, even more so, Lord, as we think about the fact that you sent your son into the world to become a man so that he could live a perfect life and die on a tree in our place and shed his blood that we might have forgiveness and redemption. Lord, and even eternal life. And we thank you, God, for that. And, and we pray you'd use the preaching hour today, Lord, to make it more real to us. Pray you'd send the visitors today, Lord, that would uh, receive the word and trust in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.